receive him as your shepherd. The love of a shepherd is beautiful. And the chasing is not harsh. The chasing is love. The love of a shepherd. How he loves the sheep. How he protects and he look over the sheep. How he watches over the soul, the emotion, the state of mind of his sheep. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's a good feeling to feel the love of God's appointed shepherd for your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for the good shepherd, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for he cares for us. Glory to God. He's taken off of the hard burden, Father. Hallelujah. The working, Lord God. Hallelujah. He's making it easier, Father, to navigate through the life in this world. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's worthy. God is worthy. Hallelujah. God is worthy this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, come into the house of the Lord.
righteousness of God. Glory to God. Oh, and because of that, I am to be feared by the enemy. <laughs> I am to be feared by the enemy. I have a fierce anointing. And so do you for all those who are the Lord. Ah, glory to God. Ah, he's, he is a glorious God. He is a glorious God. Who can be compared to his greatness? His vast wonders. <laughs> the might of God, the strength of God, the glory of God, the presence of God. He just make everything all right. I don't care what you are experiencing. The presence of God makes everything right. He untangled what you shouldn't be tangled with. And then he tangles you back with him again. Ah, he is my God. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's the captain of my soul. He's my great husband. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, you may be seated in the presence of the Most High God that's able to deliver, set free, and make whole. Ha, oh, hallelujah. Deliver, set free, then make whole. He's able to break you. Put you back together the way that he intended you to be that make you whole. Hallelujah. Ah, God really loves us. He has given us a place of worship, of truth, place of family. And family accept you for who you are love you for you true family do true family say when you're going the wrong way true family say let's come and sit and talk about what you're upset about Amen. ah true family love you when you act a fool and waiting for you to come back with your senses ah that's true family And when you come back, they're not looking at you all funny. They embrace you, loving, hugging on you, just like you did before. Oh, my Lord. True family. Get acquainted with your true family. <laughs> ah, God has provided you everything that you need. Just take part in it. Amen. Everything you need. Everything. See, some, sometimes you, when you grow up, you're not the fighter in the family, but you got that sister is a fighter. She'll fight a, a boy, man, woman, whatever. But then you are not so much of a fighter because you don't want to get all messed up. 
but you got that one family member get dirty down with whomever and we have those in the house so if you're not so much of a fighter do you get there we have some fighters in here we have some people that love to strap as they say <laughs> ah fight a fighter in the spirit of God <laughs> ah Oh, you may be seated. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> Next moment, not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> Except that God will continue to move. Amen. Oh, he will. Prophetess, I'm feeling, I'm feeling you in a mighty way this morning. Ah, <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, my Lord. Our last Berean study provided a spiritual view that was inclusive of understanding God's existence, experiencing the reality of his word, putting aside all of theory and logical reasoning. However, what was most challenging was seeing the speaker of the letter. By allowing our thoughts to be replaced by his thoughts, to actually experience the reality of having the mind of Christ, the menorah. <laughs> God is so good. See, I mean, when you read the word of God, you just, oh, I mean, I, mean, I could do some things, but I'm not. Okay. <laughs> we explored several functions of the mind of Christ, the role and purpose of the mind of Christ. Our pivotal scripture was, uh, Isaiah 11, verse 1 through 2, which lists the operations and capabilities of the Holy Spirit giving us the mind of Christ. So I'm just giving you a recap. But before we actually go to Isaiah, um, Isaiah 11, 1, 2, we want to review first the sevenfold spirit of Christ. And some of the variables that must be incorporated in our thought process. Hebrews 11.6 says, and it's impossible to please. See, this is with the heart that we please. To be on the thought level of God. We have to be on the thought level of God with our faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God is actually God. And he's not who you have envisioned him to be. He is God. He reveals himself through his word to you as God. Not as how you have imagined God to be, but as God says that he is. We must believe that God is exactly who his word says that he is. Because his word reveals him to be. Recap. Because if you believe or imagine God to be anything else outside of his word, you are in relationship with an idle God, not the true and living God. So let's talk now briefly about the sevenfold spirit. And before we actually go there, 
Matter of fact, go ahead and go there. Isaiah 11, 1 through 2. So reads, There shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse, David's father, and a branch out of his roots shall grow and bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. My Lord. So we have covered the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, which is also strength. We have not covered the last two. So this is really the part two from the speaker of the letter. Okay, so we're going to talk about a little later the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. All right. But briefly, let's learn a little bit highlight again, just to give you a refresher about the seven spirits. So in a born again believer, the spirit of God is the power source, the energy source or the life source that creates the mind of Christ in us. The spirit of God is the light source that creates his mind inside of you. Spirit of wisdom is God's supernatural thoughts in total. I mean, first of all, just pause and see, can you possibly conceive the thoughts of God available? Okay. The thoughts of God are available. Okay. That by itself blows my mind. The spirit of understanding is God's supernatural enlightenment of those thoughts. So it's one thing to have the thoughts of God, but then you need to have the thoughts of God to be enlightened inside of you, to be illuminated inside of you. We all hold and house the thoughts of God, but we very few times in our life, and it shouldn't be that way, it should be every day of your life because you're able to have your thoughts every day of your life, correct? But you have the thoughts of God inside of you. But you need the spirit of understanding to enlighten. This is why Apostle Paul talks about and prays earnestly that the the light of your heart will be enlightened with understanding the thoughts of God be opened up to you. Okay. Okay. See, what's been happening, that we've been getting small views of the thoughts of God. But you have the ability to have total access, not only to the thoughts of God, but they would be enlightened and illuminated through you. Okay. Okay. I mean, if you believe. <laughs> the spirit of counsel is God's personal instructions for every situation for your life. You have access, Mario, for the spirit of God's counsel to give you instruction for every situation in your life. Perfect counsel flawless counsel void of mistake counsel oh see y'all okay 
for every situation. We haven't been taken. I'm not going to go deep into this. Okay. The spirit of strength is his supernatural ability to carry out those. See, it's one thing to have those instructions, but you don't have the supernatural ability to carry them out. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So now he is inside of you. You have access to the whole Godhead. The spirit of God, which is a power source. You have now, when God, when God said, I called you, I called you blessed. We're misusing blessed. He said, when I called you, I empowered you with my power source. I empowered you with my energy source to create my mind inside of you. When I called you, I had to give you my mind to even answer me. Sin, can't, sin cannot answer holiness. He said, when I called you, I had to give you my supernatural thoughts in its, in its entirety. Then I had to give you understanding of those supernatural thoughts because your natural mind cannot comprehend. This is why he says, as far as the heaven is from the earth, so is my understanding to you. But I have given you supernatural understanding to understand my thoughts. To bring an illumination of those thoughts. And then I've given you personal instructions and how to deal with your situation every day. Then with those instructions, I've given you the ability to carry out what those thoughts are because you don't naturally have the ability to carry out something supernatural. Okay. Enter into the supernatural world now, this moment in time. He said, you don't have this supernatural strength. Oh, my God. This, this reminds me, as I was studying, I was telling some of the ministers, you have not hmm, had a meeting with God ah, until you have exhausted all of you. I study. I don't know how people, when they study for, you know, a few hours, I, and it's not to boast, this is to labor in the word, to actually have a meeting with God. You have not really met with God until your body, your physical body in mind is fatigued and exhausted because of your study. First of all, I have to be open. I can't just go into the study, so I'm, I'm open. I'm a cup ready to be filled. And so I'm like, Lord God, what would you have me to teach? What would you have me study for you people? So I'm just open. And it could be for three days I'm just open. I haven't opened a book. I haven't opened the Bible. I'm, just, I'm waiting for him 
to pour into me instruction. I didn't realize that. See, it's all coming together, minister. Mm. And which way to go. See, and then when I begin to study, because I've been waiting for the counsel of God. See, we try to get understanding before you get the counsel of God. Instruction. So then once you study the word of God, it's the same thing that's happening now while, while you're hearing the word of God. This should be going on with the sevenfold spirit. Is that now I exhaust myself with everything I'm reading because I have to examinize and scrutinize every commentary, everything I read because it's some people's opinion. I need to now examine, investigate all what is said and what's not said and what was in, in their flesh that was, that was written down. And after I do all of that, I'm physically drained, tired. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. But I still don't move. My head is hurting. My eyes, I can't see. Literally, I'm just like, you know, it's a whole transformation going on. So after you do all of that now, I hear, I hear just one word. Out of, all, out of 12 hours, I hear one word. And that one word takes me on this search. And I hear and I'm going, so it's no longer me, but the spirit that works inside of me. And it flows and it flows. And then, gone. It's done. Then, then I organize it, put it all together. Now, how do I teach it so that they will understand? I cannot be released until I have a revelation of what you're saying to me in this meeting. Now, I teach. Before we actually go on to explore the last two supernatural functions or capabilities of the monochrist, let's briefly discuss free choice. Okay? Because this is what's been happening, is that we've been making a lot of choices on our own. I want you to stop making these choices on your own. I want you to start making a contrary choice. On the contrary, a contrary choice. We have <laughs> free choice to follow God, which he counsels us, his spirit of counsel, directs us in where to go. But we have to trust his spirit of strength to perform the will in our life. See, because you can't will yourself to a counsel that's not your counsel. This is why when you're in counseling with us, it find, some of us find it hard to will yourself to counsel. And you, some of us still are in the same place. See, that almost took me out. Let's say it again. I think we need to say it again. We have the free choice to follow what God has counseled to us. His spirit of counsel. And trust his spirit of strength to perform that will in our life. Or we have the free choice to follow what we think and desire our own will and perform it in our lives by our own strength. So how many of us are actually, when you're counseled? Because we have to ask, Lord, 
and permit now the spirit of strength, the spirit of might. See, we haven't been utilizing the sevenfold spirit of God. Tell you talk to me. Okay. See, this is, oh, God loves us so much. So now all what I hear, I know what, because now the spirit of counsel give me instruction, but the spirit of strength give me the will to do what I can't or wouldn't normally do. Hear me, turns what I wouldn't normally do, which is right and good and would benefit me, but I don't have the strength to perform it. Our free choice is the critical crossroads. This is a critical crossroad. When I make this decision, now this is gonna this is gonna determine the rest of my life. This is a critical crossroad. Do I marry or not marry? I've seen this and I've seen that. And now it says, unto death do you part. This is a critical crossroad. See, we don't take that approach. It's critical. Because this is not only going to affect my life, but if we have children, it's going to affect my children. And their ch- this is going to affect their generations and generations after generation. this crossroad. And what if my parent and their parents and their parents had thought about this critical crossroad and implemented the sevenfold spirit of God in this? This is why the word of God says it's not grievous in serving him. Why it is grievous to some of us? Because at this critical crossroad, the sevenfold spirit the counsel of God and the strength of God was not included. I do. So, our free choice, again, is the critical crossroads of our life because what we choose moment by moment determines whose life will be lived in our soul. See, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I the word just sits, sits me in it. Yeah. <laughs> this critical crossroad, we're talking about free choice. Because it is the critical crossroad of our life. Because what we choose moment by moment, moment by moment, yeah. determines whose life will be lived out in our souls. Self or God? I told you, like, where were you some months and years back? <laughs> God is good. God is good. Because he, he said, I'll turn your captivity. It's going to be like you dream. When he, so it, it, the time don't even matter. The time doesn't matter. He said, I, I will turn it. I'm a witness of it. Yes, it will be just as if you dream. So he said, it determines whose whose life will be lived in our souls, either God's 
if we make faith choices or our own, if we make emotional choices. Been a while. I'm, I'm not going to go deep in that. Y'all know all the emotional choices you made. Just stop making them. That's a long list of them. Just stop making them. Truly seek out godly counsel and obey the godly counsel. What's happening is that you've been seeking it out, but you haven't been obeying it. Seek it out. Stay with it. Obey it. Christians have God's authority and power to choose something different. You can choose a different life. You can choose differently than you normally think and feel. I don't care what your past was. You can choose differently. Because you have what? The power source within you. You have the spirit of God, a new power source to perform something different in your life. To perform something different, love, instead of hate and bitterness. And you can choose differently. Let's go to Romans 7. Verse 17 through 18, Amplified. And it so reads, However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin principle which is at home in me and has possession of me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, Mm -hmm. but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, My Lord. but no power to carry it out. That's good. I mean, we, we're going to have to read that again. I want you to know that this passage is the cry of defeat. Okay. Okay. Because this is what a lot of Christians are saying. This is how a lot of Christians are living. They're living a cry of defeat. And this is not the case because God has already given you victory. So now listen to the cry of defeat, and then we're going to read the cry of victory. However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin principle which is at home in me and has possession of me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. My Lord. The cry of defeat. Things that we should highlight is, no longer I. Because it's, that no longer I is an absolute negation, which means there is a, a contradiction that's going on. A contradiction that's going on inside of you all the time. 
and you can't seem to get beyond this time. It extends to a point of this contradiction. <laughs> oh my. This is why we feel like we do have two minds. <laughs> Since I'm doing what I'm not wishing, there must be another and evil principle working within me. Since I'm doing what I'm not wishing to do, there must be another. There must be another. An evil principle working within me. For it is not my real self. Ah! Oh! That is working out this evil. But sin which dwells in me an unwelcome and hateful presence. An intruder. Oh my God. It says there's something contrary working on inside of me. That's contrary to my wishes. It's a principle. It's It's another mindset. It's the sin. It's not the action of sin. It's the sin. It's a principle. Oh, Lord God. If you remove the T in front of the H-E, it's he sin. Adam sin. It's a principle. It says because Apostle Paul said the sin. He didn't just say sin. He said, but the sin, the sin. If you just take the T off of the, you have he sin. The principle that Adam put in place, he sinned, is working inside of me. But it's not the real, that's not my real self. I got to know my real self, that's not my real self. Uh, Avery, you got to know that's not my real self. People of God, we got to know it's not my real self. See, but you're thinking that this is your real self, your flesh and blood. You think that this is your real self and this is how you perform, this is how you act, this is how you talk. That's not my real self. Oh, this is doing something to and for me and through me. He said, but... It's the sin that it's, it's, it lives, it, it abides in me. It dwells, but it's unwelcome. He says it's unwelcome, and it's a hateful presence. See, you have to hate sin. See, we're not hating it, so you welcome it. Every time you live it out, you welcome it. 
What Apostle Paul said is unwelcome and it's a hateful presence. Because when you have the mind of Christ, see, Terrence, we then hate sin. And his presence is not welcome. You hasten and turn quickly to love because that's not welcome. For though our old man was crucified with Christ, he was put in a place of a of a sudden and and certain death, but it didn't die. It was put away. Hear me. Sin was put away. It didn't die. Y'all not with me. This is why I crucify myself, my flesh, daily. Because sin didn't die. It had a death. And the death is every time I put it away. Oh, Jesus, help me, Father. See, we won't put those ungodly thoughts, how, away. Put it to death. Crucify it. But I have to see that. How come? Y'all make me almost go in tongues here. <laughs> we must put away as to everything of the former life. Everything, how Renee, how we used to talk and think, put it away. Those are my former thoughts, my former action and behavior. I put it to death. But you said, but see, but this is the struggle. I didn't die. Sitting didn't die. It was put away. The old man, and to be put away, he must listen to this, people of God. To put away means we must be discovered to ourselves. And this is what is should be so vividly set before us. Come here, minister. Pastor, say he have a word which he talk to you about you, what's going on with you, but you don't still don't see yourself. Okay. See, but that's this camera. That's the mirror because you refuse to get in the mirror. Come over here. Now, until you actually get in the mirror and what he been saying to you the whole time, now you can. You can see where that heart has been flawed at and, and how you've been thinking and how you've been seeing and how you've been doing the things of darkness, not the kingdom of light. You can see the, the pride and you can see the disobedience. Because you see, you, you expose yourself in the mirror. Thank you. See, until we fully see ourselves... You can't see until you, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I wear makeup because there are a few blemishes, and I just love to enhance. So I, I put away the blemishes, but they're not gone. But trust me, I'm wearing it every day. 
So I keep it away. The blemishes. See, your life, the things, the blemishes, the flaws in your life. Put it away. See, but when I look in the mirror every day, I see it. I see it yet again when I wash my face. When I'm cleansed, hallelujah. See, when I'm cleansed, I see it again. I see the blemishes. I see the scars. I see the sin. But then again, I put it away. I only see it when I'm cleansed. We, we were federally identified with Christ. It's a federal law. And we was passed on to be buried with him. And now share his risen life. This was a federal divine law. The old man is not to be counted dead but to be counted crucified. Oh, Jesus, Father in heaven. The sin, let's talk about sin, the sin. The sin is the missing mark, but it's the missing mark as this, as if you were a hunter and you had a bow, an arrow, but it missed the target. To mean missing or falling short of a goal, standard, or purpose. What goal, what kingdom goal do you have or standard or purpose? He said, because sin causes you to miss, miss the goal in your life. It causes you to miss your purpose in life. Sin causes you to miss your purpose in life. There is a goal that God has for you, but sin causes you to miss your purpose. Put it away. Sin is described as our thoughts. See, we always think on this flesh. It's described as our thoughts, our words, our deeds that miss the ultimate purpose God has for each of you. These thoughts and these deeds, they call you to fall short of God's glory. Falling short of God's glory. God's purpose, his true purpose for your life. I've fallen short because of sin. I didn't put sin away moment by moment. It said moment by moment, how? Oh. Moment by moment. Not day by day, moment by moment. I have to put it away. Ah. Sin itself is not the outcome. It's the root of the outcome. It is as if I was a medical doctor and my specialty was infectious disease, sin virus. We all have inherited from Adam the sin virus. This sin is like a highly contagious, lethal virus to every man, woman, and child. 
that we inherited. And it can be traced back to the lineage of Adam, the first man. The presence of the sin, the sin gene, is our moral makeup. See, I, man, it's, I just see, I didn't even know that was in there. I said the makeup. It's, I, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, there is a sin gene in our moral makeup. Oh, okay. For I know that no good thing dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I can't perform it. I have the desire to do what's right. I love my wife, but I keep cussing her out. Love my husband, but I can't seem to really, you know, saying I can't, you know, I just got a hate for him. I don't know. I can't. But I, I have a will to make this thing right, but I can't perform it. I can't execute how I love you. See, husband or wife have the, the will to do what's right as a spouse, but I can't seem to execute. I can't love you properly like I should or, or a parent to a child. Child know the parent love them, but they can't seem to execute the will to actually perform God's love. The word for explains that what he said in Romans 7, 17 was not intended as an excuse for us to sin. Instead, he confesses the powerlessness of flesh for good. Nothing signifies absolute negation again, contrary that we talked about. So we're going to go through here and talk about nothing's good in the flesh. We, we, we know all that. Nothing's good means that there's nothing good according to God's eye. Uh, the flesh, it could be psychological. It could be in weakness. Weakness pertains to the flesh. <laughs> okay. Wow. For the willing is present in me. I have the desire for the emotion to carry it out, but I can't seem to come to the resolution of this urging that I have for this action to play it out. It's just that to do good is 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 present. It means it's literally it literally lies near me, is adjacent to me, it's within my reach to live. The word is not even in thy mouth. <laughs> it's present. He's saying that the word is present. <laughs> it's within your reach. It's adjacent to you. <laughs> Just partake. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the cry of victory. Let's go to Galatians 2.20. Amplified. So reads, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith 
in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. My Lord. <laughs> oh, let's see. Okay, let's go here. Galatians 2, 10. Who's there? Let's see how. Galatians chapter 2, verse 10. They only made one stipulation that we were to remember the poor, which very thing I was also eager to do. Right? Nope, that's not it. it that's okay. I, I believe it is. <laughs> Go there. Go there, minister, please. He's going to Ephesians 2. <laughs> okay. I believe it's 2.10. 10. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been studying that. That's, that's <laughs> what I've been, okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works yes. which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. <laughs> this good life, that's what, I was feel, that's what I was feeling this morning, the good life. But we must do this ourselves. We have to walk this life out. And there is no debating. We must... <laughs> After, see, after salvation, sin likes to try to come be a ruler over us and reign in our personal life. But it manages somehow, if you yield to it, it manages to survive still in you. But for those who really activate the sevenfold spirit of Christ, it no longer resides in the innermost self. But it finds its, its residence in the flesh. And the unredeemed human that remains until a believer meets the Lord in rapture or at death. So, okay. I'm on it. We got, uh, whoa, we got about 15 minutes. Mm. Okay. Oh. Okay, we have authority or the word of the person in charge. And we also have power and the ability of the person in charge to make the right kind of choice. We have the authority of the word, the person of the word, the person who's in charge of everything to make the right choice. John 10, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, do with my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it up again. What is he saying? You now have the power and authority to lay down that old life. Okay. See that? 
I just got a revelation just then. You have the power and authority to lay down the old man to put him away. And you have the power and authority to walk out the inner man or go back and pick up that old life again. No one else has that power and authority over you. God is the one who enables us and gives us this authority to override your imagination, your negative thoughts. To override your negative feelings, your negative desires, your low self-esteem, what people said about you, all of the negative dark areas and voices that keep not whispering but screaming in your ear. God has enabled you, given you the capability and authority to override your negative thought process. This is why he said, not my will, not my emotional desires, but thou will. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be forsaken. I'm going to be persecuted. Nevertheless, nothing about this is going to feel good. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Remove my emotional thinking, Father. And give me your thoughts, your godly thoughts. Now I can press on to the mark of a higher calling in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. See, we're programmed to feel everything we choose. See, but we have to make the contrary choice, the non-feeling choice, the just absolute I know choice. And when we don't feel our choices, this is what happens. When we don't feel our choices, we don't think our choices are genuine. You got to move on your feelings. Okay. I ain't mess with you and your feelings. I'm not going to mess with you and your feelings. All right. Okay. Let's get on to our last two spirit of the mind of Christ. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are capabilities that are always available to us, as we discuss. Providing our hearts are cleansed. Clean heart? Clean heart. But there is something very unique about these last two. These last two functions of the mind of Christ is in us is the spirit of knowledge and of fear. But these two must be carried out by you and you only. This is without aid of Holy Spirit. We must not only make faith choices to do God's will, but we must also make faith choices to lay down our life. See, we, we're not having these, we're making choices, but they're not faith choices. This involves the denying self, which we hate. See, again, this is not what Holy Spirit does to aid you. These are the things that you have to do on your own. 
death to self. It involves death to self. And death to self is exactly what these two functions of the mind require. In our entire lives, we truly need to experience an intimate knowledge of God and walk in the fear of the Lord. But we don't because we don't deny ourselves. Because they're just not, we're just not willing to really relinquish and subject or submit everything to God. These are the last two things that you have to do without the aid of Holy Spirit. <laughs> Relinquish and give up everything to God. <laughs> okay. That pertains to your life. See, this is why Philippians 2.12 speaks about or talk about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is what he's talking about. This is the last two of the sevenfold spirit of Christ. But this involves your effort. <laughs> work out your own salvation with continually putting aside sin. Christ doesn't do that for you. He was crucified for you. Sin didn't die. You have to put it away. Okay. Moment by moment. This is how you work out your salvation. Thank you, Lord. I don't know how we thought we were working out our salvation, but this is how you do it. Moment by moment, put sin away. I'm coming up on my closure because I have 10 minutes. After I did all my study, I thought I was done because I was done. I, look, I was done. Uh, and I woke up. No, it was when I was going to sleep last night. And I think I actually told Pastor, I said, Holy Spirit gave me debriefing and interrogate. I'm like, well, where does that even come in with the teacher? <laughs> Debrief, debrief and interrogate, really, they both mean the same. So, this is what I'm going to do. This is, I thought it was the beginning of the message, but it's actually the conclusion. <laughs> you got to follow the lead of Holy Spirit, because if not, you're going to be okay. Because he is the steerer of your life, so you need to really continue to follow him. So I said, okay, debrief. So I had to really, like, what is debrief? Prophetess Caroline, you, this is like, I just... This is for everyone, but I really felt like this is just, this is for you. When I say for you, is that your heart, your passion for this is here, and I thought about you here. Uh, debrief means to question someone, typically a soldier or a spy. He said, give the saints a debrief. He said, question the soldier, the spy, about their completed mission or undertaking with official questions and the job that must be done and what they're about to experience 
and should experience. Debrief them. Oh, I love Holy Spirit. Man, I'm trying to tell y'all got to get with Holy Spirit. We have a mission. So I'm debriefing you. That's given to us by our commander in chief of heaven. He said, take the message of his salvation and lordship to, into the enemy's territory. He said, win the captives from the forces of darkness. As in every war, our mission requires combat and struggle. If we forget our mission and get caught up in our own comfort, we will be quick to desert the cause when the enemy attacks. This is a debris from our, our commander-in-chief of heaven. He said, expect to be in dangerous battle zones. He said, expect to be shot at, attacked by multi-enemies, wounded, and perhaps death and approached by you by many more. He said, get ready to live in the most difficult condition. Diane says she's already there. Experience combat fatigue. You're going to be fatigued from all this combat. He said, there's no comfort in this mission. He said, debrief them. You're not to be found in civilian clothes. You're not to be found without your weapon. You're not to be found leisuring around, laying around and sleeping and, and swimming in the pool. You're not to be found full of entertainment. You are to be found with your weapon. You're not to be found crouched down crying. You ought to be found on your post, some in the high tower as a sharpshooter. You ought to be found in your proper uniform. You can't have on civilian clothes. You're not of this world. You're in a battle zone. Goodness and darkness. You're going to be shot at. Stop crying and complaining. Come out of the barracks. Bring them out of the sick ward. Condition yourself for a difficult situation and where you live. You're in the bunkers. Don't request for a, 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 a better softer mattress and pillow. You're laying in the desert. Some going to be in cold mountains. Prepare for difficult conditions and situations. You're in a battle zone. I must debrief you. For if you get too comfortable with your job and the things of life and entertainment and leisure and fun times and get caught up in what everybody else is doing and what you have and what you don't have. You have all that's necessary. The mind of Christ and your weapon. Pray and watch.
stay on post for you're in battle zone for your life. Many will be wounded. But then when you get attacked, you say you didn't sign up for this. When you have discomfort in your home and your living condition, you say, I didn't sign up for this. When your husband's not acting right, or wife not acting right, I didn't sign up for this. He said, well, let me debrief you. You're going to enter into a battle zone. The force of darkness and the force of light. Just know that you've already won. Maintain your position of victory. When you get weary and tired, draw strength in the gathering. He said, when you've done all that you can do, stand. And just declare my works are finished. Cindy, this is a battle zone. He said, I have debriefed you. I've interrogated you whether you're equipped for this. This is an official interrogation. Every trial that you went through was your training. Every attack of the enemy was to destroy you, but you're not destroyed. Gird up, regroup, come together and we strategize again. You have the mind of Christ. This now is not a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory. We're in a battle zone, people of God. I pray that the word of God has reached your heart. And stirred up the soldier that Christ has called. And he has equipped and given you all the ability, authority, and power to overcome every situation, circumstance, and event in your life. Now recall all his promises, for they are yea and amen. Stand strong, soldier. Because the battle is not yours. It's the Lord. Glory to the most high God. Glory. Glory. Glory to the most high God. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. It's a battle zone. I have to bring you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My God. Come on up, ministers. Hallelujah.